Welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star day four. Forevermore of training camp, <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bull Brock. We literally just left Glendale at State Farm Stadium to rush over here to provide all of you with the very latest camp takeaways, Bull Brock, and what a crescendo of the day, mm. the cherry on top from hearing from the franchise quarterback, Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's uh, it's great and also sad to say. Yeah. And I think the best quarterback performance of the afternoon was in the press room by, uh, by the guy on the physically unable to perform list because the other guy struggled mightily. And, and we're not going to sh- sugarcoat it for you at all. Uh, the quarterbacks, there were a lot of passes that were not finding receivers' hands. And, mm-hmm. and they were not you know attempts that were completions for Colt McCoy. It also includes Clayton Toon, uh, David Blau. I think maybe if you were to break it down, Jeff Driscoll was the only quarterback that's offense, and he was the third team, that was uh, that was run, you know, successfully. Yeah, and we're going to get into all that. Um, we're going to kick things off with Kyler Murray, who I, I was was very, I think, frank with those of us in the media, discussing everything from, you know, how he think he thinks he's going to fit in this offense, talking about his timeline, his recovery timeline. Let's go ahead and start with that, producer Emma. This was Kyler Murray within the last hour giving the most recent update as it relates to his recovery from a torn ACL. Question. I, I have no answer for you though. I, I take it one day at a time. Like I said, uh, I don't have a you know uh, timetable or whatever. Um, but yeah, just take it one day at a time. And th- and that's the most we could get from the Cardinals franchise quarterback. Uh, it, it seems like that's uh, maybe what is being you know suggested. He tell us yeah. you know and kind of keep. I, I don't know if it's it's if it's str- you know strategy or mm-hmm. if it's just you know they they want they don't want to set maybe an expectation from the fan base either, you know, when he could potentially come back. He, he said the goal was week one back in flight plan, but he also added to that, right? You know, I think that he was going he was going to be willing to listen to what the organization and its training staff would suggest and what the doctors would suggest, and that's really what he's it's going to come down to. You know, Jonathan Gannon said Kyler Murray is going to tell him when to come back, and also I think Kyler Murray is going to listen to the suggestions from the medical professionals and the training professionals of the Arizona Cardinals on when the best time would be to come back. He he said this today. We don't have the clip or uh, clip. It's on our social media that he doesn't want to be a detriment to the team. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a detriment to himself. He doesn't want to be a detriment to the team. He's he's very aware of that, and and that's good. It's good to have that self awareness when you're coming back from the most serious injury of your of your career. Yeah, I don't know if Kyler Murray, after what I saw from the quarterbacks today could be a detriment to, to this Arizona Cardinal team. And I say I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but also <laughs> not really, because I, I continue to make the argument. I think Kyler Murray, without the risk of him being re-injured, and you can't, you know, put a put a price on that. If you if you told me he can go out there, he can play 85% of what he normally is, and there's a guarantee he's not going to re-injure himself, like you would take that over, you know, unfortunately what we saw from Colt McCoy. And again, we're going to get to the, the QB struggles today and what that could mean for the team moving forward throughout the course of this preseason, the offseason, Bo. But, you know, at the end of the day, Kyler Murray is as frank and upfront to everybody as he's been the entirety of the offseason. Like, Mm. they do not know when he's going to come back. But I think the mindset is he is attacking this full throttle. He's making it clear. He does not want to miss any games. Somebody asked him today, like, Kyler, would you be happy if you missed only half of the season? And Kyler Murray really didn't have a response, kind of scoffed at the answer. Right. And was basically like, 
I, my goal is to come back week one. Now, is that realistic? And I'm paraphrasing. Like, I don't know. He doesn't right. know. Well, I'd ask them that. I mean, it was you, you made the goal of week one, mm-hmm. you know, with, with new information. Yeah. You know, th- does that remain the goal? And, and basically what his answer was, I, I'm still a competitor. Right. I, I'm still going to push, you know, the team, everybody, as far as when I want to get back. Yeah. And, and that that that's 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 really interesting. I mean, and it's it's this is what's going to continue. Uh, the speculation is going to remain rampant until you know he's either put on remains on PUP to start the season or he's IR'd. Uh, you know, as far as speculation when he could potentially come back, but Kyler Murray is going to continue to push it as far as when he's going to come back. Well, I, I like the comment too. He said something to the effect of, "Guys, it's not even August yet." Well, it's August on Tuesday, yeah. but I know what he was trying to do, basically saying like the season starts the second week of September. We haven't gotten to August yet, and I I do actually believe him and the team when they say, well, we're taking this day by day because these these recovery timelines, we covered it on yesterday's show, they're not cyclical in the sense that every day you get better. Like some days you take a step back. Some days Mm -hmm. you take two steps forward. And I I think there's a part of Kyler Murray that believes that he could see a a seismic recovery shift in August that benefits him, and so he's not going to put – Week one, completely in doubt. But, of course, you know, got Ian Rappaport, who's close with the team, that spent time with the team this week, saying, I don't think anybody's expecting Kyler Murray to be wet, ready week one, but he left it open-ended, and I think that's how the Cardinals are taking this. Like, if you if you set yourself up for definitive timeline and guidelines for Kyler Murray to return, one way or the other, I think you're going to end up with egg on your face. I think you really just have to take these next seven, eight weeks in stride yeah. and see how K1 is feeling. And, and you have to like that. The organization, albeit if they're being as cautious as possible, and you understand that, and if Kyler Murray is being, he understands, you know how serious this is, mm-hmm. and and what, you know, if he came back too early, how how it could set things back, you know, to to a much longer timeline, uh, and also, you know, as far as impact his career negatively going forward, like that, this organization, if they were to say today on July what is it 29th that mm-hmm. he was definitively out i mean then he would be out yeah you you don't leave the they door don't open. you don't leave the door open you don't you don't you know it, it pretty much just puts a period on it and i think that kind of keeping that that door open you know giving that you know exception to the rule the adrian peterson maybe who's probably the f- most freak return from an acl injury and kyler also has the meniscus our our, our colleague howard bolster will will remind you of that you know, it's not just the ACL, so it's it, it's exciting, but it's also like okay. I mean, there's still there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot to be done, and, and Zach Ertz outlined what what that looks like for himself, and I'm sure it's very similar as far as what Kyler Murray the the hurdles that he's going to have to jump uh, in order to get back onto the playing field for the Cardinals. Yeah, there's 43 days between now and and the Commanders Week One matchup. You just googled it. I did. And now I'm giving that information to all of you because that's what we provide here. 43 days, so about a month and a half. A month. What did you actually change. put in the? I said engine? how many days between now and September 10th after I looked up what day they played the Commanders. Listen, the analytics they they have nothing on us, right? The research that we put in is impeccable. Um, so Kyler Murray again, no update is the update. But again, I, I would agree with Ben. Like the the, the quick smirk said quite a bit i think kyler was in good spirits he had fun with the media like he always has and he didn't just touch on the recovery timeline he also touched on a number of topics including bull brock really how quickly he feels like he's picking up this offense albeit on the sideline yeah he basically said you know he didn't feel like he was behind at all he he felt like this was 
was an offense that he, he, despite, you know, playing kind of a similar offense from his freshman year of high school all the way to his fourth year of his NFL career, yeah. that he was picking up with uh, what Drew Petzing was putting down. Yeah, and I think we have a clip that Kyler expands on. Am I excited about it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's been great so far. You know, we're actually establishing a run game. I believe we'll be able to run the ball a lot better, which will only be, you know, to our wep- uh, weapon for us to be able to get on our center, mix it up, won't be as predictable. Um, and if, if you can run the ball, it makes everything a lot easier. So, Yeah, and that was my question. I asked Kyler Murray point blank, like, are you excited to play under center? And he double-checked, excited? I'm ex- Yeah, I'm excited. At the end of that? Wait, I, we won't be as predictable. Yeah, there was <laughs> how many indirect or direct shots at Cliff Kingsbury were at this press conference? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he, he, I don't think he's out to indirect, right? Maybe it, like five, maybe yeah, like four or five. Sure. It felt like it felt like you know there as far as the previous regime, uh, Kyler was was answering and kind of clapping back uh, to to some of the stuff that's been out there, some of the noise throughout the off season, most recently. You know, his former general manager, Steve Keim, uh, you know, really nitpicking some quotes from the flight plan episode. Yep. Uh, but look, that clip there, like to get back on track, that's exciting. You know, that that he's going to embrace this this offense having diversity, having balance. And it's not just going to be, hey, we're going to go back out there. And you're, even though he's a quarterback, I'm going to throw the ball 60 percent of the time. He understands the value, uh, the conflict it creates being under center and giving the opposing defense a look that could it be a run and, you know, the, the just how lethal it can make a guy like Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I agree with all these comments. Almost everything, according to CBKRA098, almost everything he said reflected poorly on the prior regime, 100%. He even brought up at one point his college coach, Lincoln Riley, yeah. saying like, and I don't, I'm not, I don't know if we have the clip or not. But we do. We'll, we'll, we'll hear it later. Yeah, basically paraphrasing that even though they didn't run the same offense, like just how well he's taken to this offense because of the attention to detail. Ben Cork in the chat, definitely about the details. He was ragging on Cliff and Kime. I, I, I think Kyler wants to be coached hard, and that was the biggest indictment of the prior regime. And I think the national media, you know, piles on like Kyler Murray's a diva. He's a prima donna. He doesn't want to be this, that, the other. He doesn't want to study hard. I think Kyler Murray is is showing you with his actions and his words now that I want to be challenged. I need to be challenged. I want to take my game to the next level. And then just as far as my question goes, playing under center for the first time, he didn't really play under center in high school, I'm sure, to some effect, but it has to be for the first time in, what, 10 years that he's going to play under center? He's excited about that, but then he emphasized the run game. He hasn't had a consistent run game maybe since the second half of his rookie year where Kenyon Drake went off, and then, of course, James Conner two years ago when James and Kyler both had Pro Bowl bursts. Like, Kyler Murray is and there so, was a lot of pressure on Kyler as, yeah, as well in the absolutely, run game. Absolutely. And Kyler is so deadly, to your point, Bo, as a runner when you've got somebody behind him that's a, a capable running back. Mm-hmm. And and it just gives you a different dynamic to this offense. They were and he, he said it as much. They were so predictable at times last year. No back, single back, shotgun, 10 personnel, you know, sometimes five wide. It's just it asked too much of Kyler Murray. Not the not the mental capacity. But the physical capacity of just asking your quarterback, hey, go through five reads and no threat of a run game and you've got an offensive line that's a sieve. I mean, to me, Kyler Murray is excited, I think, to play in an offense that's going to ask him to be a big cog, but not the only cog. Right. And uh, I think Kyler's excited that there's some adults in the room and and 
it, it echoes the comments of, of the other you know faces of this franchise that were left over from the previous regime. We've heard from DJ Humphreys. We've heard from Buda Baker. And there's a word that gets thrown around a lot, and it's accountability. And Kyler Murray spoke on what the new Arizona Cardinals kind of definition of accountability is. That's what Kyler had to say. I, mean, I, I think a lot of it just comes down to the accountability, uh, the communication. Um, not only that, he, he knows football. You know, he knows football. He coaches it. Um, guys that already know football will get even smarter. The guys that may not, you know, be on the same level as some guys have played a lot of years as Zach Ertz, a rookie, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, everyone's getting smarter. He's teaching football. You know what I'm saying? He's teaching the scheme. He's, and if you don't understand it, Okay, we're in a meeting and he calls you out and you don't get it. Okay, we just know you don't know it. And at this point, we don't need you to know it right now. You know what I'm saying? The season's not here yet. But when the season comes and we're on the field, you got to know it. So um, I just think, you know, he, he's, he's a real genuine guy, uh, real re- relates to everybody, you know. Um, and, and as far as, you know, what he's doing right now, man, I, I love what he's doing. I love what he's doing. I don't know if I've ever heard that during the first four years of his career. I mean, there was... Uh, it wasn't like a, a just out in front of it, like lack of respect for Kingsbury and his crew, but there was never like uh, him being as complimentary as he's been about his new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, as he's been there. It, it's, I mean, accountability was just a, a word that meant nothing to the previous version of the Arizona Cardinals. No. And, and now, you know, as Kyler pointed out there, it's like guys are asked questions in meetings. If they don't know the answer, the coaching staff understands, like, it's not, it, we, we understand it's not important right now, but it is important that you understand what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, and they hold the players accountable. To, they, they're not going to make them write out, you know, the answer to the question on the chalkboard a hundred times, mm-hmm. but they're going to make sure that, the, that everybody knows what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get some of these comments here. Eddie in the chat, new drinking game. Every time someone from PHNX says national media, take a <laughs> shot. We take shots of the national media all the time, so I think that's a great game. Jacob Williams, I'm really starting to like JG. His, his personality is contagious. It's yeah. infectious. He addressed Welcome the crowd the club. at State Farm Stadium today. Like He, he goes from fun-loving guy, which I appreciate, very personable, to hard-ass. And like you can see it. You can sense it. Sometimes we're, we're in the press room, and, and you can you can sense how intense he is. And I think the greatest, the best coaches, like Bruce Aarons could do that. Where they could flip a sw- script and, or flip a switch and just say, hey, I can be your best friend, mm-hmm. but also I can get on you when you're not doing things correctly. Does anybody think Cliff Kingsbury had that in him to do that? And again, I, I don't want to spend too much of this you know, training camp and preseason sure. comparing Cliff to JG. But I mean, I was telling Bo, like, isn't it crazy? Cliff Kingsbury ran this team with Steve Kime for four years. Four. Kime was in charge since 2013. Like the, Things are different for the first time in a long time. And, and it's noticeable. And the players can sense that. And the quarterback that came from, albeit, you know, they were in the Big 12, but a blue-chip collegiate program with one of the best college football coaches in college football, maybe in, maybe in, in the entire football landscape in Lincoln Riley. Like, Kyler understands and respects coaches who get it, who, mm-hmm. can, who can articulate it, who can teach, who can develop. You can if you're, if you're an elite at your craft and you see somebody else in your field, you can, you can sniff out people who are fraudulent. You can sniff out people who don't work hard, that are trying to fake it till they make it, That's it's not sincere. And again, these are all like subtle shots at Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime. But Kyler Murray was great when he got to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals never at any point said, we're going to elevate you past where you're at. 
It's just carry us, K1. Uh, allow us to latch on to your greatness. We're going to put everything on you. And then when things go south, we're going to point the finger and blame you. And you don't think Kyler Murray realizes what took place and realizes the opportunity now, a clean slate with Jonathan Gannon, people who have embraced him, Drew Petzing, everybody who wants to say, okay, Kyler, we know you can do this. Let's do this. Let's elevate your game from here to here. And let's let's prove everybody wrong in the process. Yeah, great. Uh, a lot of great points there. A lot of great points in the chat. Brianna uh, saying, Air Raid was working. It was like 10-1, and 1, but the defense has adjusted to Cliffy and stayed stagnant. Absolutely. It was it was that that game of chess that that the Cardinals' previous coaching staff didn't have the ability to play. Jalen Blair saying the nicest thing K1 ever said about Kingsbury was the props he gave him after game plan against the Rams in Week 4, 2021. Yeah. Look, there was a lot to like, especially at that point during the Kingsbury era. They kicked the crap out of the Rams, who were, I think, three and they were both three and O teams at that point. Yep. And just, uh, you know, big, big turnover that they had in the first half of that, and then ran away with that game. And it kind of put the NFL on notice at the time. And then to Brianna's point, like it carried on for a couple of weeks, even with Cliff being out with COVID, uh, the team just blowing the doors off the Browns, and maybe we're just fucking better, according to JJ Watt. Mm-hmm. And you know, it led up to that, and then you know, like. Every year on the Kingsbury, dating back to 2013, even in his Texas Tech days, you know, the opponents caught up and there was no adjustments, no proper adjustments that were made. And as far as, you know, the accountability, uh, I, I don't think there was enough or, or a, a realistic idea of what that looked like or how to do it to get the team back on track. And I think that this team, it's going to be it's, it's going to have some tough times, but it's going to have a good foundation of that accountability fall back on to kind of kickstart itself again Jalen in the chat friend of the program Lincoln Riley is like the Kyle Shanahan of college football elite offensive mind that coaches hard and I think you know a lot of the times his teams get better as the year progresses how many times have they been in the final four of the the college football playoff uh you know what he did yet last year with Caleb Williams at USC like you don't think Kyler Murray sees that you don't think Kyler Murray sees what Jonathan Gannon was able to do in Philadelphia last year 70 sacks, 17 interceptions, 14 points allowed in the NFC playoffs. Like Kyler Murray, for the first time, has a has a coaching staff that I think he believes in and they believe in him. And there's continuity and there's open lines of communication. And I, I the toughest part for Cardinal fans right now is just that anticipation of when is he coming back to just see that relationship really start to grow and blossom on the field because it's tough right now. You know, if you're out of practice. Kyler Murray's around, he's walking around, he, he does some light stretching, but he, he can't participate. Being on PUP, he can't go through the quarterback drills, he can't wear shells, you know, with the with the with the helmet and the shoulder pads. It's it's kind of like he's a little bit of a ghost w- with what we can see, but you know, I take Gannon and Kyler Murray at face value and I, I'm going to tell you right now like their relationship I, I think has a very long shelf life assuming this year that they can put it together. Who is this guy? Who's who's sitting next to me? Of course, it's the great Johnny Venerable. I did shave yesterday because <laughs> uh, it's 120 degrees I mean, outside. He's making sense today. I mean, it, I think a lot of people. No, we'll are rip kinda... on people here in a second. <laughs> we got. I got people I want to go after here. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, it's Johnny Venerable. Of course, if if you're looking for Cardinals insight, uh, follow him on Twitter, Threads, it's me. Instagram. It's it's Johnny Venerable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray had some other comments off. Obviously, we, we hit the like button hearing from your franchise quarterback. It's great. As I said, it's probably the best performance from a Cardinals quarterback 
today. Uh, what else do we have? We got two more clips. I, I know he's talking about kind of the culture and structure change. And then what was the other one? I, I apologize. Do you remember? Yeah, I don't. It's been a long day. Uh, coaching. More just on the coaching staff. Let's hear from Kyler Murray. <laughs> let's, talk, let's, let's hear about Russian the coaching roulette. staff. You do whatever you want. Uh, I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the scheme. That's, I just think it's how it's being coached, you know, um, Coach Riley didn't run this offense, but he coached the shit out of it. You know, he did. He, co- he he coached it very well to where everybody understood what they were supposed to be doing. If they're doing this, we're doing this. If we get this look, we're you know we're going here. Um, it's just the details of everything. You know, every little detail matters, and I I, I, you know, I think that's something that we might have you know I know we were missing. So now that okay, cool, we're under center now. We got a new coach. We got uh, a new system. Um, it can be executed the same way. It just has to be, you know what I'm saying? I just think it's the way that he's coaching it, uh, the details of it. Drew's done a great job. Uh, we're all in the same room, you know what I'm saying, hearing it from one mouth. You know, it's just, it's just a lot different. It's a lot different. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said I did want to mention, what, what are areas where you feel like you can be a better leader? I just think with the things that obviously Coach Gannon, uh, Monty have put in place, um, Structure from top to bottom. You know, it's 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 a lot more detail oriented, um, attention to detail, and it allows me, the guy that I am, allows me. It, it doesn't come off as how it may have came off in the past, where oh he's he's you know screaming at coaches or whatever. You know, it's not it's not any of that. Everybody's just trying to win. We're all trying to be on the same page. If you mess up this little detail, okay, we'll we'll hold you accountable for it. You know, if it's um, you miss a block, you miss a throw. You, you know, you blitz in the wrong gap. Uh, it's Everyone understands, you know, what that guy was supposed to do. So we're all on the same page. It's being preached to everyone, not just one person. Um, and I think the communication throughout this whole thing has been great. It's been awesome, you know. So everybody knows, you know, what we're all supposed to be doing, um, and everybody's on the same page. So we played a couple of clips there in a row, and, and at the beginning of the first one, you he was asked about, you know, kind of the the scheme, right? And how is he going to go from kind of running the same scheme for as long as he did and then be able to pick this one up. And he credited the coaches, Drew Petzing, Jonathan Gannon, like Lincoln Riley, where it's not the same offense, but Kyler's quote, Coach Riley could coach the shit out of it. And that's what he's getting from his current coaching staff. And, you know, that's a true testament to this new regime uh, that they – and it was like – that was the philosophy in in Philadelphia. That's what JG really brought with him from Nick Sirianni and crew is like – they weren't gonna like split atoms. They weren't gonna like read, like design the wheel here as far as NF coaching NFL football. They were gonna have things kind of simple, but you were going to know exactly what you needed to do on any given play, and you were gonna excel at it. They were gonna do what they knew the to the best of their capabilities. Yeah, and I think listen, you see it on the defensive side now with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Like they're telling these guys, hey, we think your abilities are best suited here. And I think Kyler Murray trusts Jonathan Gannon and Drew Petzing like. Okay, yeah, I'm going to be under center for the first time in a decade. I trust the system. I trust the plan, right? Yeah. Because, again, he's going to do things differently than Colt McCoy to some degree when, when Kyler Murray does come back. But I, I also think there's a little bit of a stigma with K1 that he can only run the shotgun. He probably is mm-hmm. aware of that. St- you, you're telling me somebody that was drafted in the top 10 of two professional sports can't play under center from time to time? Like, just because he hasn't been asked to do it doesn't mean he can't do it. And I also think don't discredit the the opportunity for him to have an offensive line that with an emphasis on pass protection 
He talked about Paris Johnson Jr. We've got the clip on our social, how bullish he is. Mm -hmm. Big physical receivers like Michael Wilson. We, we talked about on yesterday's show, like this is a finely tuned machine that he is attempting to come back to. Yeah. Something that is not overly reliant on him to play sandlot backyard football, where it's just running around, throwing the ball, making plays, saving Cliff Kingsbury's ass. Like that's yeah. that's not this offense. This offense is we want to get the best version of Kyler Murray. And in the meantime, here's a running game with 30 carries. Here's play action. Here's dump offs. Yeah. How many times in the Cliff Kingsbury era? This is going to turn into a Cliff Kingsbury bashing session. I did not mean for this to happen, but mm -hmm. open, easy throws, right? Yeah. Throws where you, you've schemed people open. Like, you watch Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy operate, and it's like, yeah, Brock Purdy, he made the throw that was there because George Killer, Debo Samuel, they're running wide open. We haven't been able to really decipher that happening since Bruce Arians was here. Yeah. Like, that, that that's going to be such a relief for Kyler Murray. It's like, yeah, this... The, this play is supposed to go to Zach Pascal or Hollywood Brown, and they're wide open, and guess what? I can hit them in stride. Yeah, to use maybe music as an analogy, and it may, I might be a poor person to use that analogy. I'm, I don't have a musical bone in my body. That's but like, true. That's true. <laughs> as far as, you know, it, I think that Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, the, the three-headed monster that is the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff, and NBA was great at this as well, is like, he was able to write beautiful music that he could get his team to play mm -hmm. like, to, to the top level, right? Where I think Cliff Kingsbury was like, hey, just go out there and play jazz. Yeah. You just play jazz. <laughs> we want to hear jazz like Kyler Murray, you're you're the best jazz musician out there. Uh and go out there and, and do what you do best. We're gonna empower you to do that. Uh, but we're not gonna help you along. Like, you know, there was a Jonathan Gannon during his uh his press availability today. Somebody asked about, you know, playing within a, the structure of the scheme, right? And I think that that's the best, especially for for a guy like Kyler Murray, and I think Mike Vick had this too, like why he was so successful at the beginning of his tenure in Philadelphia is Andy mm -hmm. Reid had him playing in an off within an offense. And he was looking, he, he knew how to go through his progressions and run the plays, obviously. And Patrick Mahomes does this at like just uh, absolute next level, like unbelievable. But, you know, it's within a, an offense. And then when things break down, that's when you take that elite athleticism and mm -hmm. that's when you're making plays. You're not just that's not the play structure itself. Right. It's like you color within these lines and then when things break down, then you can you can bust out of that and and that's that's where you're going to be you're going to be successful just running the plays and operating at a high level, but then that's when you're going to show you're an elite quarterback by when things really kind of break down and, and you show off who you are. Well said. To put a ball on it, Kyler Murray I, I think wants to come back, knows he wants to come back as soon as possible. Week 1 is still very much up in the air. And he's not doing a ton on the field that that we can see and report on. Yeah. But that day's going to come. He did tell us he was cutting. He said he was. He, his quote was, "I'm I'm doing all that." Um, you know, so he's he's working with Buddy Morris on on a you know a daily basis. It's it's you know pretty the the routine. I'm sure just gets old. Mm -hmm. And but you know, and I'm sure he's sick of it. But he understands it. And he's putting in the time, and that's all you want to hear at this point. Yep. So from Kyler Murray, it's it's time to shit on Colt McCoy. Um, so Colt McCoy, listen, in all seriousness, Colt McCoy. It's a different conversation than we had yesterday because well, at least, you know, a little bit. Colt McCoy yesterday, and this seems to be, you know, as as I think Darren Urban tweeted out yesterday when, when he noticed and everybody had noticed at State Farm Stadium that Colt McCoy was running with the first team offense, was dropping back on pass plays, and then he wasn't throwing the football. Mm. He just wasn't throwing the ball yesterday. Yeah. And it was one of those, Jonathan Gann said he's going to play 
he's going to have high tempo days and low tempo days. And sure. it really seemed like it was a low tempo day for Colt yesterday, who's back throwing today. And what do we see? Yeah, also low tempo in terms of a low <laughs> output from Colt McCoy. That's what I saw, at least in the fan base that was there for the open practice. I mean, let's let's turn the clocks back about four or five months. It's free agency period. And they yeah. had an opportunity to go out and get a Jacoby Brissett or Gardner Minshew. And again, if there's one thing that we raised our eyebrows about during about this regime during mm-hmm. this offseason, it was like, I, I understand. Young players, let's see what we have. You did not sign Colt McCoy to this contract. You have no allegiance to him that we know of. Like, go and get somebody you're associated with. Jacoby Brissett was under Drew Petzing last year. Jonathan Gannon was in Philadelphia with, with Gardner Minshew. These are viable guys who had started games. We even had a source like Joshua Dobbs was an option. They were negotiating with him. Monty Ford had him in Tennessee. Mobile guy under 30 years old. Won games last year. They said, no, no, no. We're going to roll with Colt McCoy. And, and we like what Colt McCoy has. And he's making like, what, 4 to $5 million this year. They drafted Clayton Toon. Colt McCoy was doing color commentary for, what, Canadian football this spring or the USFL or whatever the hell it is. Like, I, it really does sense. Like, Colt McCoy is probably a year from retirement. So you're going to have Colt McCoy be the bridge guy to Kyler Murray whenever he does come back. And so you, you have that in your mind, and you're like, well, maybe he'll have a good training camp. Well, three days into training camp, he is not throwing because of maintenance on his arm. Okay, you better let it rip on, on Saturday, Colt. I was looking forward to his performance today. He looked awful. He looked immobile, especially compared to Clayton Toon, who was not perfect but can move, can roll out of the pocket, can run a little bit. And then Colt McCoy, during team, threw multiple interceptions, was not good. And not like deep throw interceptions, taking a shot like underneath inaccurate Trey Lance interceptions, right? That, that's what we got from Colt McCoy today. So I know Colt McCoy's done a lot of good things for this franchise, and I, you brought up a great point on the drive over here, is that this really does feel like if he struggles, the first riff mm-hmm. between this new regime, Gannon and Ford, who have gotten an immense benefit of the doubt, and they deserve it, and the fan base. Why, being subjected to what we saw today yeah. to start the season unacceptable do better and and maybe they will maybe he'll turn it around he could or maybe they had a quarterback the if you're in attendance today what you saw from him and the rest of the quarterbacks that that played into the narrative of this team being the worst team in the nfl cardinals update that was a johnny heimer uh rant right there that was a that was an absolute bomb right there going after the i I want this team to to do well position that was on the heels of johnny you had the cillian murphy uh haircut (laughs) earlier in the chat which is pretty spot on i also like that they called you the uh the best friend from boy meets world sean hunter all just elite uh chat messages left here you guys are crushing it hit that like button for uh just everybody in in the zone today, outside of the Cardinals quarterback crew, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this was not for it to kind of be the welcome back Saturday, yeah, and then to kind of ease the Arizona Cardinals fan base on Colt McCoy at 37 years old having to take an entire practice off and, and maybe potentially more going forward from throwing the football. Uh, this did not do it. I mean, uh, we're going to show you some highlights at, at some point during the show, and you'll see some throws, especially one that was picked off by Marco Wilson, where it, it's just, I, I would say, it, well, it's just not an NFL caliber throw. It's just not. It was. It, was, it looked like somebody who's retired throwing the football. Yeah. It looked it, like somebody in their backyard with their kids. And it, this, this league is, this is why people love the NFL. It, it's so tough. And if you're not 100% into it, and I don't think like, Cole's not 100% no, into it, but like, that. coming off of last year, 
looking, you know, just just understanding where he is at, in his life, uh, you know, having having as, as large of a family as he has, like it, 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 I think you can't run from that. I think it's it's something that's very realistic, and it's like this game. If you're not if you're not just a hundred percent in, and, if, and also if you're not up there hundred percent physically, uh, it's it's why Father Time's undefeated. It's it's so tough and. The way the Cardinals approach the quarterback position this offseason, it is it is the biggest kind of indictment on the current regime. Unless they have something planned. I mean, like, I, I get the excitement for Clayton Toon. I think Clayton Toon's going to make this roster, and I think he's earned it, kind of by default, because the rest of the quarterback group is not great. Blau and Driscoll are, are what they are. They should not be on active rosters around the NFL unless you're openly trying to maybe lose games or you're transitioning out of something, like the Cardinals were last year with David Blau. Yeah. Like, Jeff Driscoll and, and David Blau should not be on the active roster. Clayton Toon, he made a nice rollout. You'll see it later to Michael Wilson on the run. He can he can sling the ball. <laughs> Saul Bookman, the GM, I'm going to tune this out. These guys are backups for a reason. They are backups, but Colt McCoy's not. I'm treating Colt McCoy like the starting quarterback until Kyler Murray comes back. What did you see from Clayton Toon today? Inaccurate. Yeah, but, but he did but, not have he did not on, have a though, good day. But no, but Clay, Clayton Toon's not has the expectation of running with the ones though. Here, and I look. It, remember, what I told you like to start this week when our training camp preview started that I I got some info like they like Colt, but like I they this quarterback room is open and everything's on the table. This at no point has John Gannon said Colt McCoy is QB one. Now he's being treated like QB one right now, but like I. You can't feel good. Austin Ford was there. No, you you shouldn't feel comfortable at like the quarterback position and it being a question mark. That that is as dangerous as it gets at the in the NFL. Lose games badly. You have you're, here's your options: thirty seven year old Colt McCoy who who struggled mightily today. It was bad. Who didn't throw yesterday. Who struggled in twenty twenty two. Went one and two as the starter, right? And and then you look at a fifth round rookie who it, it's not. I mean, you get concerned when it's like C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, top-tier picks, right? And and you're staring down the potential of starting a fifth-rounder out of Houston week one? I think Tune looks better than I thought, though, coming out of the draft. He's bigger than I thought. He's much more mobile. but I And I think he deserves to be on the roster. He should not start week one. Okay. And I feel the same way. I, I do. I think that they, if, if they can play their cards right, Clayton Toon can be some, the— He's got some Drew Stanton in him. He, he looks, can be the backup quarterback of the future for the Arizona Cardinals. 100%. And when you're paying a quarterback like you're going to pay Kyler Murray, that's very valuable. He's got the skill set you like. And he's going to have, he's going to probably at some point in his career, somebody's going to view them and, him and say, hey, he could be a starter. Yeah. But right now, and especially after today's practice, there, there was throws that just weren't on the mark uh, outside of the one, the Michael Wilson that you mentioned where he rolled out. And that's great. Uh, it's like my my golf game. It's like you got a, just a couple shots in the bag that have you keep keep you coming back. Am I a good golfer? No. Am I ready for the PGA? Absolutely not. And I think that's Clayton Tune. And then you look at the other the what else is there? You've got David Blau and Jeff Driscoll who are one in sixteen as starters in this league. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that's I did, that was it's that's a seventeen starts between the two of them. Okay, they're a combined one in sixteen. Sly in the chat, start the guy that guarantees the number one pick next year. That's everybody but Kyler Murray, I think. I, I mean, I'm being frank, and, and our GM Saul Bookman double downs on it. Colt McCoy is good for one to two games uh, this season, that's all. And I think I agree with that. That's the quintessential backup. Yeah, and I think if Colt McCoy was was guaranteed to start the opener, 
and then week two against the Giants and Kyler Murray came back week three or even week four, I, I wouldn't be freaking out right now. But if there's even an inkling that Kyler Murray is going to miss four to six weeks and we have to watch the Colt McCoy I saw today for a month and a half, the, the, Card- the Cardinals will not win those games. If we see the Colt McCoy we saw today, he doesn't make it through the... He doesn't make it to the second half. Clayton Toon will be Washington in the second game. Yep, Clayton Toon will be in the second half. And see, that's that's the biggest indictment. Is just <clears throat> you're running a new offense, right? And you got to be able to make plays on the fly when things break down. Saul, <laughs> <laughs> when things break down, like Colt McCoy, his his best attribute should be not turning the ball over, making the throws that are there to be made because yeah. he gives you no upside with his mobility and his arm strength. Well, guess what he didn't do today? He didn't take care of the football. Right, and he missed open throws. So if you're not doing the things you were signed to do, and I don't want to hear this bullshit. Well, this, it's a new offense, and it's just the start of training camp. Uh, no, no, no. I watched this team wet the bed and sleepwalk during training camp last year <laughs> and not be prepared. I don't want to hear about. Let's take our time. I will give grace to guys like Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons that are playing brand new positions. And if they struggle week one, I hope it looks different by week eight. The quarterback situation, you have no excuse. Like. If Colt McCoy struggles and he's been your guy for six months, that's an indictment on Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon. And they will have to eat that big bag of shit if that's the case. If if he plays well, I'll give him immense credit. And so I told somebody on the sideline today, like, I don't know why this is the plan, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt until week one. But week one, you rip that band-aid off and he plays like he played today. Then everybody else, everybody in the national media, take a drink, is going to (laughs) say, they're the Cardinals that we expected to be terrible. And you know who doesn't want to hear that? Kyler Murray, Buda Baker, uh, Hollywood Brown, right? Paris Johnson Jr. How about giving your team a little bit of hope that you can hand the baton and pass that bridge to K1 whenever he does come back? You will you will lose the locker room to some effect if you start the season 0-6 and it's Colt McCoy out there. It's, it's not going to be good. Uh, who, who are you sharing antidotes with on the sideline besides me? Feel feels uh, slighted. Your boy Tyler Drake, probably. <laughs> probably your boy Tyler Drake of AZ Sports. I, my expectations are: don't be a you know an old thirty-seven year old. Don't start an old thirty year thirty-seven year old in six games. Look, it, we we talk about this team. When we look at what you, the the betting you know sites are saying. BetMGM has their sports book has the Cardinals at four and a half. Their, their win total, right? And anytime Johnny or myself are, are talking on. on you know, national radio or whatever. whatever. And people are saying, hey, should you take the over or the under? The the one thing that's going to absolutely put them as an under four and a half win team is poor quarterback play. I mean, it, it's, it's just what got them the first pick in if, 2018. If they're going to surprise, and I think that the roster, the rest of the roster has the ability to, you, you, to get a unique production out of, you know, unknown spots for the most part, you know, at the, you know, defensive line, middle linebacker spot, cornerbacks, all the way to the, the back end of the defense is, is pretty much, you know, what you're going to get. And then the offensive line everywhere else. Uh, it, it seems like those, it's in a position to where it could surprise everywhere but the most important spot in sports. That's that's quarterback. I, there's some really good comments here in the chat I want to get to. So Dylan Richards in the chat. Let me see if I can pull this up because I can't see it on our screen here. Dylan in the chat, watch Colt retire in the preseason. He looked retired today. And I think that that if they claim somebody, Dylan, to be the starter, I think that's a possibility. Because I again, you have he, to fit some criteria, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be, uh, you know, Bryce Perkins, Dylan. He has if no, they if they sign Teddy Bridgewater, Jalen, out of nowhere, Carson, like there's no, 
there's nothing there. Like, there's no continuity between, like, Carson's never worked with Drew Petzing. If like, Joshua Dobbs is cut Josh, by Tennessee. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, the criteria, it's it's very minuscule as far as what fit, who would fit, and who you could pick right, up. Right, so they paint themselves into a corner. Um, another really good question. I can't remember who said it. Uh, what if they start the season 0-6, 0-7? Do you bring Kyler back? Eddie says that. That's a, that's a very good question, and that's a question they don't want to have to answer. Because Kyler will want to come back, and I think the team will want to play him, but you also have to speak the mind of, well, Caleb Williams is 10 games away, and that's a, that's a uh, guarantee. I just don't – I think that there's going to be too much of a an uprising from the locker room and the coaching staff to the front office in order to – pounding the table for Kyler, get it back in there, and for them to stop the bleeding. Before it got to six, seven games, you think? No, I mean, as far as if, – if, if the timetable just is – He's coming back week seven and you're 0-6 and the offensive line has been spotty or whatever, but still the leaders of your team are not going to accept, hey, well, we're not just going to play him because we're looking at this quarterback at a USC. No, like, I, I think I just you don't, should play Kyler Murray. Yeah, I just don't think that Monty Osfor can fend off, and especially people that he respects their opinions. Jonathan Gannon, I don't think he's going to – he's not going to settle for that. They're going to have to answer a lot of questions, though, as it relates to if they start 0-5, 0-6, why did you think this was the best option to go with Colt McCoy? Like, what did you, do you really did you really believe he gave you the best chance to win? Saw in the chat, no way you don't play Kyler. They could go 0-9. They will still play Kyler. That's a horrible message. And again, I I, I, I think Kyler Murray is going to come back sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. But I if you if if Colt McCoy and you you go over with Colt McCoy and it looks ugly. For six weeks, you know, I everybody besides the Cardinals, let's just say that, will be talking about Caleb Williams, and that, and the national media and the narrative will be just like Kyler, according to Sly, take a vacation, get the number one pick. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think Colts walking away for the money. I think that's maybe one of the main driving forces. Um, and again, it's like we're not anti Colt McCoy the person. No. He, but I, here's here's what I'll say about Colt, and I think it's more of a level headed opinion. <laughs> As far I'm as, sorry. As far as, what? What? as far as, we're not like, known for that. I don't, I don't want to like uh, the the practice today was bad. I don't think anybody could deny it. it and I'm being on the heels of him not throwing, but then the previous practice he looked good, and it's it's kind of in line with where he was last year, and it's kind of in line with where he is now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide from the fact that uh, it, it's part of it as well. Like if Colt McCoy, the wear and tear of of camp on his body through four days is too much. That's very concerning, but I still do have the the belief that when he's fresh, especially week one, that he is fully capable of running this offense. Against the commanders. Against the commanders. Even if that looks like 10 to 12 pass attempts, because to, uh, after today, it's like how many times can James Conner get the ball week one? Uh, Mike A in the chat, I agree with this. K1 is going to want to miss the least amount of time possible. He said as much today to get back at all the naysayers this offseason and, and raise his value back to what it once was. He's, he's been paid. He's got his, he's got a statue outside of Norman, Oklahoma at the University of Oklahoma. Like he, he, he's, done, he's got a Heisman Trophy. He wants to be able to prove people wrong and have the NFL success that he was projected to have when he was the first overall pick. I think that's what drives him. And I think he wants to come back and play hard for his teammates. I think he's going to relish the opportunity to be a leader on this team for young guys. He said as much like Paris Johnson Jr. and Michael Wilson. Um, just watching practice today, you just can't think to yourself harder or faster, get K-1 back here. 
because they, they are so limited without him right yeah. now. They The offense, the def, everybody wants to talk about, well, the defense is going to struggle. They have no passers. They have no defensive tackles. You have bad defensive line play in conjunction with bad quarterback play. You're getting the number one pick. You're, you're the worst team in the NFL. That's what they had in 2018 with Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford. It's the easiest way to lose games in the NFL because you will get scored on early and often, and then you have to turn around and you're going to rely on Colt McCoy. And it just it's it's frustrating. I I I think he will play better than he did today. But I'm going to tell you right now, it was not fun seeing him not throw yesterday and then turn around and look like this today. And, and Saul, that that's my point. Like three days, like he have his good day when he's fresh, and then when. You know, the the reality of being 37 years old and going through the wear and tear that he did, like, that's just what you're going to get from Colt McCoy. And that's that's unfortunately like the main point of this is like that's how they approach their approach to the quarterback position. I think that people can see that it is flawed. I don't know if if naive is the right word, because maybe they just felt like, OK, that that's what we we wanted. We think Colt was our best option. And yeah. And, and, and listen, uh, somebody AZ Heat 85, we're usually very optimistic. I'm optimistic for the season still. Um, but we I'm have, gonna, we have clip, uh, we have some, you know, some plays from practice you can see for yourself. I yeah, mean, I, you part can of see the reason if, wanna, so, if you want to be optimistic about that, go ahead. But I'm part of the reason I'm so frustrated is because, I, like this young thoroughbred right here, they have playmakers. Look at this kid out of Stanford, Michael Wilson, number 14. I like the receiving core. You got to be able, I, I like the offensive line. I think the tackles are the deepest they've had in 20 years. You got If you have bad quarterback play, it just derails everything. That was a good play by Jalen Thompson, knocking the ball loose from Rondell Moore. A uh, bunch of plays here with with Colt McCoy and got Michael Wilson on the outside here. This is going to be a good play for Marco Wilson, who uh, kind of knocks the ball out of the hands of Michael Wilson. Had a great there practice. The yeah, Marco Wilson. I mean, we'll talk about want to be off, uh, optimistic. There's Monty Osfort watching this play happen right in front of him. Zach Pascal's had a solid camp. Um, this is. Uh, it's our boy, Michael Wilson from Clayton Toon. This is what Toon can do. Rolled out. He's, yeah, he's going to go off screen here. So this, the camera's going to follow Michael Wilson. And he's going to improvise and get open for his boy and make this big play on a, on a linebacker and kind of takes advantage of the uh, mismatch there. This is the pick we're talking about. Chris that, Barnes tipped yeah. off. Inaccurate dump-off pass from McCoy. Uh, and then he comes right back. This is the bad. Th- this is the really bad throw. So this is watch Rondell Moore go up against Marco Wilson. Oop. That's a, that's a duck right, right for there. the pick. Quack yeah. quack quack. Yeah. That's that, a duck. That, that's but lots of good things to see. Michael Wilson, Marco Wilson. I, they have good players. The Wilson twins, Wilson Phillips out there <laughs> making big plays. <laughs> the triplets. Uh, <laughs> uh, Let's and, talk about some good. Okay. Because uh, everybody's listen. Colt McCoy, you're on. You're on the clock. I was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, not after the last two days. Uh, you're you're on this show's watch list right now. Everybody should be. Um, he gets a day off tomorrow. Yeah, he's he a ne- full day off. Oh, how many de- how many days off for Colt McCoy can we have? It's just you're gonna have a day off and then you're gonna play six games. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, <laughs> Agent Forty Seven. Ooh, really bad. It was bad. <laughs> they have good young players, so let's talk about them. Um, so the secondary is interesting, Bo, uh-huh. because I think a lot of people just assumed after they re-signed Antonio Hamilton this offseason, cornerback room set. Well, hang on a second, because here's their starting secondary. I tweeted it. Of course, Buda Baker. Isaiah Simmons is playing high free safety. Mm-hmm. Jalen Thompson is playing slot corner. The two outside corners are Marco Wilson and Christian Matthew, who's had a really nice camp to start. Size, athleticism, mm-hmm. length. The, the common theme, and I told you this on the sideline today, of, of this camp, at least from my perspective, is long, big, athletic, young. 
It's not old, slow, <laughs> short, undersized. Who does that sound like the last couple of years? So they may lose games for better or worse. They're going to play their best athletes and they're going to give their young player. Christian Matthew played what kind of college football? Where'd he play at? He was at Valdosta State, I believe. He was a six-round pick last year. Got a cup of coffee last year under Vance Joseph. Jonathan Gannon's identified him. And you know what? He's playing really well. He broke up a pass in front of Mar- uh, in front of Michael Wilson today. You mentioned to me, like Antonio Hamilton, he's one of those guys from the prior regime. It's just like, I, I don't know if this is going to work anymore. Look, yeah, Antonio Hamilton at this time last year was excelling in camp. He was one of the you know names to watch along with Greg Dortch. Uh, and, and a few other guys that were that were standing out in Camp Country Club, and you know, uh, <laughs> I think that Christian Matthew absolutely is taking advantage of an opportunity. Uh, you know, he great size. What is he six four? Yeah, it's like I, I, okay, I'm not saying it's this. It's like the Legion of Boom in terms of their their size. Right. Like everybody wants to compare Simmons to Cam Chancellor. You have Buddha, which is Earl Thomas. Can I, we stop? Let's not stop. <laughs> you need to stop. Please, I, I can't have this. I can't have this be out there anywhere and be said in public. People say I'm too negative, so now I'm going to say this is the Legion of Boom 2.0. Jonathan Gannon is a defensive back savant, but I think Christian Matthew is a good placeholder until Garrett Williams becomes fully. Healthy. I think they're all going to play. Yeah, it's a, the secondary is fine. I like I like the pieces they have on their side. I do. I love this the safety position. We we've seen Jalen Thompson. He's creeping up now and he's playing slot corner. I think that's a better fit for JT mm-hmm. than slot corner for for Isaiah Simmons, um, and you know Buddha's Buddha, and then you've got the linebackers. Barnes was making play; he made two big plays today, including the pick. Um, I think you really love what you know. I love what JG said today about because you're white, uh, really kind of taking that leadership role. Plays with the violence that he played with in Philly, um, and then you got to figure out, you know, is it is it Barnes? Is it Josh Woods that's going to play next to him? Is it a, a rookie like Owen Papo? A lot of things kind of coming up uh, for this defense. This defense early on showing that it's not just you know a bunch of unknowns. I think that's the, we'll see what the defensive line can do, and, and that's really going to show itself in, in the preseason. And then we'll see what this pass rush if they can get you know the production that we're a bit bullish on. You know, with Cameron Thomas and and Zayvon Collins and B.J. Ujolari when he gets healthy. Brianna in the chat, is there any other uh, training camp coverage? No, it's it's literally just us, and that's all you need. So just follow us on all the respective platforms. Uh, we will we'll do our best to to provide the the insight and the um, the the highlights that, that you guys want to see because we're just an extension of the fans here at PHNX PHNX Cardinals. So you guys always we always say this during all we the got. show. This man <laughs> is on no sleep. He hasn't seen his family in a week and a half. Uh, but no, if we, you see them, tell them I love you. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, but it, listen, I'm having a lot of fun watching this team because number one. They're having fun, mm-hmm. and they're young and enthusiastic, and they're playing the draft picks. Like, and I talked to somebody from the Cardinals today, and and we were on the same page. It's very who, much like I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you who it was. <laughs> it was very much of the mindset, like, you know, they had some good teams under Cliff Kingsbury, but you always felt like, is there a shelf life here? Mm. Because these are veterans, these are Band Aid players, all the Rodney Hudsons of the world. It's like they're playing Michael Wilson and Paris Johnson Jr. to be starters this year and for the next ten years. Best case scenario, right? Yeah. That's what you're hoping to get. You're hoping when B.J. Ojolari and Garrett Williams come back, slide them into the lineup. Let them have an opportunity, right? Even the guys from last year's draft class, I know somebody asked if um, Trey McBride was hurt. He's got a little bit of a nick. Uh, um, Jonathan Gannon said, I'm going to say Cliff again. Jonathan Gannon said he's got a little bit of a nick. They've got him on a 
on a timeline, nothing to worry about, but like Trey is going to be featured, right? Cameron Thomas is a starter on their defensive line. The young players are going to give get the benefit of the doubt, like Christian Matthews, as I just mentioned. So, well, Jalen's coming here, like talk. He's joking. I know that talk. Uh, Noah Tagai to us. He nearly made a great play in the back of the end zone. Uh, my co-host had it wrong. It was not a touchdown. It I was. Had the, I we'll had the other. A I had the. Upon further review, I had the other angle. He did not get no in on a, on, a <laughs> on a diving catch. Uh, but look, I mean, that's usually tr- he was playing in Trey McBride's spot. I mean, that Trey McBride probably pulls that that catch down. Their tight no ends are pretty good. I, I listen. There are two positions. Count them two that they they got problems at, and you know the two I'm talking about: defensive line and quarterback. That's right. They're D tackles. I was we, I I looked at him today and I pointed at him. Bo sitting right next to him. Like <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you, Rashad Lawrence and Lecky Fotu, and I, I don't know the rest of you. You guys are you guys are new. And they're like, who's this guy with the Oppenheimer haircut? Can we throw? Can we throw him out of the building? <laughs> I mean, it just. Can we throw Ryder Strong out of the building? But, but here's what I'll say. They can go out and claim a D-tackle or two, and I trust Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis to put those guys in, in a good position to succeed. Like, as Eddie in the chat says, Colt McCoy's Madden rating is 63, and that's the end-all be-all. I, th- I think he's better than that. I do. I think he's better. Like, remember when we when we crushed the media outlet that said he was the 30, 30th ranked backup? In the league, I think I think he's a back. He's a, under, he's a he's the quintessential backup. I think we're underestimating our and we're forgetting our feelings after the end of last year when you and I went on the show and said it wouldn't be a surprise if Colt McCoy retired, and then he and then he kind of did, but he kind of didn't, right? And now he's he's back and he's going to start a quarter of the season maybe for this team. I, I just to me that's unacceptable. I don't accept it. I won't accept it because what I saw today is going to lead them to lose some games. I, I'm we're po- pretty positive on this show because I, I want to see Michael Wilson go for eight for 125. He can't do that with Colt McCoy. I don't think, at mm-hmm. least not with what I saw today. They're going to be 12 guys in the box when Colt McCoy is a quarterback when he looks like what he did today. So, <laughs> sly in the chat. Johnny, you going to get highlights, maybe some frosted tips? <laughs> not since the sixth grade, my friend, <laughs> where I double dipped twice with the frosted tips. Did you? Yeah, I did. You of got course, the cap I did. on. Yeah, and then you gel them up, you know. Uh, do you ever do that? Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. when you wouldn't gel it, it would look like leopard print. We don't want to lose an audience here, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as the Jonathan Taylor, he has reportedly uh, requested a trade from the Bring him, Bring him over. Let's get him. Well, let me ask you that. No, I don't. This this franchise under this, this just, regime, do not. they don't value running backs. They're, they're going to draft a back he's gonna, next year. In order to, you have to trade assets, draft capital. And then you'd have to pay him. And those are two things that I don't think they're in business of doing right now. Nope. They're going to draft it back next year early, and they're going to play him hard for five years or four years, and then they're going to move on. That's This is this is a Patriot mentality because Austin Ford is a Patriot disciple. They're not going to pay a, or trade for Jonathan Taylor. I am surprised, though. That's a good transition to what's going on with the running back group. And t- Until you watch it, Keontae Ingram's having a nice camp. So the way it's going to set up right now, and I tweeted this out, I don't think this is going to change, bar an injury. James Conner is your number one back. That's unquestioned. And then Keontae Ingram is the next up in line, especially on like first and second down. Now, he can catch the football a little bit, but like if James Conner went down, it would be Keontae Ingram. Mm-hmm. And then Corey Clement, who's had a cup of coffee here, was in Philadelphia, good special teamer. 
I think can be a pass protecting back in shotgun on third down and catch the ball out of the backfield. They're all big. They're all stout. There is no Chase Edmonds, Eno Benjamin, you know, Larod Stevens howling to this group. Like there's no undersized back. Just uh, yeah, I mean, Amari uh Dermacato is a little a little undersized. I mean, he's he's five nine, yeah. but he's thick. He's got big legs. The the people who are going to play yeah. are big. They're, they're six foot, five eleven, five ten, and they're thick and they want to run in between the tackles. So to me, it's like this this is this is who the running back group is from now until somebody goes down. Haven't seen a whole lot of Dermacato, uh, to answer Jalen Blair's question. I mean, it's you got the first team, it's it's James Conner. You got the second team, it's Keontae Ingram. I think Tyson Williams might be running. Well, you mentioned Clement, and then Tyson Williams is, is running with the third team and fourth team. So, and then we you only get a little bit of, of Dermacato. So, uh, it's the, the running back room is really interesting that they only have five in camp. They added a, a it seemed like a pass rusher today um, and, and dropped the corner from the roster. Uh, we'll see if if that's something that they eventually at the end of, of or before the end of camp that they address the running back. They have a type on this roster and it's big and physical, right? They they don't sign the undersized players anymore. They don't prioritize those players. And this is not a shot, Kyler Murray. I'm talking about the Rondells of the Mo- of the world, the Andy Isabellas of the world. They they have a type. It, they they can't deny it. Based on what they've brought in, like the Zach Pascals, they want to be big and physical, especially on offense. They want guys that have length that are versatile, but then can also get ugly in the trenches with this team. This is one of the biggest offensive lines they've had the past half decade plus. Their tight ends are big. So, I mean, are they going to be the most talented group? No, I think most people would scoff at the idea of an opening day roster that saw Zach Pascal and Michael Wilson starting. And then, But you watch them in camp. I mean, like, these are guys that are going to be meat and potatoes, 7 to 12 depth yards depth on their routes, mm-hmm. catch the ball, and try to get Yak up the field. This is not Cliff Kingsbury's offense where you got a bunch of undersized guys, you know, who can run 4-4 mm-hmm. and let's try to hit the big play or let's try to do horizontal screens that were never there. Yeah. It's it's not the the non-power 5 school undersized type like Steve Kime had. No, he uh that those days are over. <laughs> now we play in big boy college football with players you've known and premium heard of positions. at premium positions that hey, guess what? I, I said this yesterday, I'm going to say it every day. Paris Johnson Jr. doesn't look like a rookie. Like yeah. you forget he's out there. Because he doesn't struggle, he's with the ones, and he's gonna he's gonna manhandle people. I we bashed on the offense because of Colt McCoy, but I told you this when we were walking out today. When they put pads on, I think the offensive line is gonna handle the defensive line. That, I, I think they're gonna push. That'll help quarterback play. I think they're it gonna should. they're they're gonna push them around. I, the tackle play for the Cardinals, I think, is gonna be elite this year. The interior, they'll figure it out. But the defensive tackle for me is just you know at the end of the day, not good enough. They're just they're just not good enough. Gravity asking about because you're white, because uh, you're white. How's he looking out there? He's looking solid. It's somebody. He's one of Jonathan Gannon early in his his tenure as Arizona Cardinals head coach. He's one of his most trustworthy players right now because he's a guy that is bringing experience in his defense, working along with defensive coordinator Nick Rollis and, and kind of being that coach on the field. He's going to continue to wear the green dot. It'd be tough for. I don't envision him giving that up. I think he's going to be a guy that rarely leaves the field. And uh, and he, he's looking solid. We had some other questions about some other players out there uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, what, what was the other question? Uh, I missed it. All right. 
we'll get into oh Josh Jones DJ DJ Humphreys is he's locked in at the left tackle spot. I don't think it's a competition right now. Gannon told us they were going to mix and match in the offensive line as camp progresses, but I think that that's more so for left guard and center. I th- I don't. I, Kelvin Beecham has not taken one snap over Paris Johnson Jr. and Josh Jones. I mean, we were talking to our friend Jess Root from Cardswire today, who we've had on the show, and he said he would be surprised if they kept four tackles. Now, I think it would be smart to do that unless the team gave you something substantial. But I, I think if you're looking for an area where they might deal for another position or a draft pick, it would be, I mean, if Kelvin Beecham wants to go start somewhere, you, you know, you could accommodate that. I think Josh Jones, to me, though, is too valuable. I would hang on to him mm-hmm. because of DJ Humphreys' injury injury history. But, I mean, the two DJ Humphreys is having a nice camp so far. Can he stay healthy? That's the biggest question. And then Paris Johnson Jr. is, you know, everybody's favorite. He's my favorite, at least. Yeah. Uh, great swing, potential swing tackle. Josh Jones has yeah. a lot to prove. You'll, you'll get the opportunity. I mean, it's this this game is, is so tough. Uh, the second linebacker position, Dylan Richards asking about it. The competition, absolutely. Uh, you know, who's going to play with Kazir White when they've got two kind of the Mike and the Will linebackers on the field? Right now, it feels like it's Josh Woods. We mentioned how good Chris Barnes was today. Um, so things looking good for for the Arizona Cardinals. There, it's a good, healthy competition. I, Chris Barnes. Look at the stats. I mean, he's a year removed from being pretty productive in Green Bay. He spent some time for the Packers and played a pretty solid role for them in their defense. Only 25. Yeah. Uh, you can talk yourself into a lot with this roster. Mm-hmm. I know people are skeptical. I, I To me, it's like, what happens if Isaiah Simmons turns it on? What happens if Zayvon Collins puts it all together at pass rusher? He's the starter. He and Cameron Thomas. I, I think patience is needed. And maybe that's the thing that they're trying to emphasize is with Colt McCoy especially, let's be patient. But at least with these young players that are under 20 and are motivated and have a head coach that can teach and develop, Mm. like that gets me fired up because we do have a lot of talent and unknown talent on this roster. We saw it with guys who, even Kime, I'll give him credit, who they drafted that they didn't realize that talent and they go somewhere else and they flourish like a Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk should have been playing slot receiver since the time he got here. They they fudged around, and he had his best year not here. Hassan Reddick fits that build. Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, all these guys that, that go and play well elsewhere or get big contracts elsewhere. I just that the the Cardinals are are not in the business of doing that anymore. And I think if you can't succeed under Jonathan Gannon defensively, I don't know if you're succeeding anywhere. Yeah, and I think that they're approaching the the rookie class correctly. It really does. Like the the guys that it's not two big four are seeing first team reps in Paris Johnson Jr. and Michael Wilson. And then you see that they're putting the other guys behind that in the next tier on the second team. You're seeing John Gaines run the second team center. Uh, you're, you're seeing uh, Clayton Toon be the second team quarterback. You're seeing Owen Papo play with the second and the third team. It, they're, they're not putting too much pressure on these guys to outperform expectations. I think that you know, Wilson and, you know, obviously Paris Johnson Jr. and maybe B.J. Ojolari, and we'll see what happens with Garrett Williams when he comes back. But, you know, so far it's, it's Johnson Jr. and Wilson who are really going to look and vie for playing time early. The rest of the guys are going to earn it, and they're going to earn it by just doing their job and getting acclimated to the NFL level. The rest will kind of follow suit. Josh Burlington in the chat. I mean, my concern is the cornerback situation. Marco Wilson saying he'd throw the shoe again if given the opportunity. 
I need a better CB1. I, like I kind of like that, actually, I, though. I think from what I saw today, if Marco Wilson keeps this up throughout camp, I think people need to be prepared for hopefully a, a great year by the kid and also being extended. I, I just I think he's been underutilized. I think he was uh, overshadowed by Byron Murphy. And I think he played better, frankly, than Byron did at times last year. And I think he's really effing talented. He would have been a top 50 draft pick had he not thrown the shoe. So I'm actually happy he threw the shoe because it made him an Arizona Cardinal, one of Kimes' best moves. He, like tra- he, tra- he traded up. So he's got great ball skills. He's a great kid. He's humble. And again, like if you're a DB and you're playing under this head coach, I, you're going to kick ass. I just th- There are going to be parts of this roster that struggle, but I think the DBs are all going to play well. Marco kind of keeping – he's not going to – dwell on us one of his the worst moments that cost him a significant amount of money early in his nfl career and as far as his draft status but he'll make it up i think he's not gonna sit there and say well i you know cooler heads would have i wish they would have prevailed what's that voice you're not know but like he (laughs) just basically said i love it he's like i wish i'd thrown it further f that guy and f his shoe like it's it's great and then you have all the sec fans lose their minds over it's i'm i'm more on board with that instead of some boring cliche like well it was a great learning experience for me so marco wilson playing solid football he was playing solid football until you know he's taken out of the lineup because of uh, a couple injuries last year you look at his last three to five games he there wasn't a cornerback that was playing better than him on the roster yeah yeah 100 percent. and again they didn't add another cornerback of Nolton for agency i think they have confidence he can do the job and i mean if camp's any indication he's He's licking his chops at a lot of these quarterbacks. Cardinals are throwing out. He, he's he's helping himself. And you know who's watching? Monty Ford. He's front row. God, it's great to see the GM on the sideline. He's been there every day camp, right there on the sideline. I love to just chat with him and ask him what he's looking at. You know, Get him what, on what the show, maybe? Out there? Yeah. Yeah, I'll bother him. <laughs> uh, we want to bother <laughs> all of you to like this video right now. This is our six, count them, six shows of the week. We're not stopping anytime soon. Cardinals are off tomorrow. We're back on Monday to kick off week two of training camp with the Arizona Cardinals. Not doing a show tomorrow? We're not, no. <laughs> yeah, did you, would you like to go live? Uh, we've got so much content coming up for you, so much stuff that we can't share just yet, but we're excited in the coming weeks to do so. Maybe the Cardinals sign somebody. Again, this is really the first chance this this coaching staff and general manager have a, have a chance to digest what the last six days have been like. And after today, I think they have to make some decisions. And we'll be anxious to see who gets implemented, who comes off PUP potentially next Mm. week. You know, again, I'll I'll bang the drum. I think Garrett Williams is closer than people think. We saw B.J. Ojolari today. I think he he looks good. So what are you laughing at? Brianna Sambo and the new guy killed it. Later, folks. Brianna, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm... Johnny, I'm, great first show, by thanks, the way. Thanks, man. I just everybody here has been so accommodating here at PHNX. I just love it. I just hate my old job so much. Uh, it's great to work with true professionals here. Um, the new guy. Like this video. Please like this video down below. Leave a comment with the player you're most excited seeing Ooh. with the Arizona Cardinals this year. Put it down there. What's Whether yours? Is it Cole McCoy or Isaiah Simmons? Uh, neither. How dare you? Uh, it's it's Paris Johnson Jr. throwing people around. I want Paris Johnson Jr. to, to throw me around. I want to go up there and attempt to block him. You want him to get like one of those uh, those like hipster like baby carriers and have just have him carry around just a mountain of a man. Uh, Jalen Blair, Johnny, quick rag on Simmons so they know who you, so they know who you are. I mean, I, that's probably why Brianna didn't recognize you. Viney you were too complimentary. Revolt. You were asking for Grace the other day for for 
good old Isaiah Simmons. He's he's practicing. Money generable. Uh, thank you, Fishbowl Flash. We love it. This has been such a blast. And again, like I, I want to watch good football, which means I don't want to watch Colt McCoy right now. I want to watch all of you go to your app, like this video, go to PHNX underscore Cardinals, wherever you get your podcasts. We drop audio-only podcasts, too, so grab it down there. Are we doing Instagram Live for a couple minutes? Sure, let's do it. So immediately following the conclusion of this show, which is in about 30 seconds, Bo and I are hopping on the PHNX underscore Cardinals Instagram Live to answer any question you want to ask. Nothing's off topic. Throw it in there. We'll last as long as you guys do. In the meantime, like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star wherever you get your podcasts. For Bo Brock, I'm Johnny. We'll see you on Monday.